Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. Hey everybody, this is Lori. And this is Abby. Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. We are bringing you another episode in our 12-part series called Turning Struggles into Triumphs, Parenting Through Learning Challenges. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview. Have a great day. Hello. Welcome, Trisha. Thank you for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, we're so excited. It's been so fun to get to listen to parents talk about where they were and where they are now, because we oftentimes we get, you know, into we, we really get invested in a child's performance and we evaluate them and then we come up with this plan for success moving forward. And then we oftentimes don't get to hear how they're doing or what the parent thought about the whole process. So it's pretty cool. So thank you again for being here. So for our listeners, first off, tell us a little bit about some of the challenges and difficulties you observed, whether it be academic and or behavioral, um, prior to any diagnosis or evaluation. Sure. With Sydney, my middle child, she was always a bit, everybody said she was, she had big feelings. That was probably the first thing we noticed was that her emotions were very large. Um, and we always just figured she took after her mom because <laughs> my feelings are also very large, uh, coincidentally for the same reason. So she w- just, her reactions were always so big when she was happy. She was ecstatic when she was you know, kind of inconvenienced, she was extremely irritated. And so just those extremes, I think, were the first uh, flag that we didn't realize Mm -hmm. were a flag, you know. And then when she started school, um, specifically kindergarten, we'd moved from Illinois to Hawaii. And so the age to start school was pushed back a month, which meant Sydney would have to redo another grade preschool because at the time she Uh was not quite five. And so rather than do that, we put her in a private kindergarten and then just assume she'd be able to test into first grade. Well, that process was very tricky. And that, that was exactly what made me um, think, you know what, there might be something more than just you know, Sydney not liking to read. She was really struggling with it. Uh-huh. And so that was sort of what started this hunt and this research on, you know, my part to figure out like what it is that, you know, is giving her such a problem. Right. And then, you know, years down the road, we found you folks Aww. and got her tested. But there was a, an instance at the school where I spoke with a teacher when Sydney was in third grade about getting her tested, and the school did not see any reason to intervene at that point. Really? So I actually had to pay out of pocket to get her tested somewhere, and they didn't find anything, which they oh. said could happen because she was so young at uh-huh. the time. Uh-huh. That happened in third grade, and then fifth grade was when we found you folks okay, and got the answers we needed. 
Well, good. I'm glad you did. So when you when you went to school and you had concerns, they said, we don't see a need to do any type of evaluation on her. She'll catch up and make progress and be just fine. Yeah. They, so, But was she still struggling? You saw her struggling at home with homework and schoolwork. Reading and writing, writing. Her right. journal entries, you know, in third grade, they make the children write every day in a journal and that it was pulling teeth for her. She would cry. I mean, homework, just writing in a journal, one paragraph, hours of just oh. agony for her. It wasn't fun for anybody, really. No, I'm sure not. Yeah. And so you sought, since the school did not see a need for evaluation, you sought out private testing. Mm -hmm. And so you had a private evaluation done. You said she was in fifth grade, correct? The first time she was in third grade. Okay. So the first time it was a private evaluator that tested her in third grade and they didn't find any type of learning disability or ADHD or anything. She was right at, she was, she was within a normal range, I guess. And I would have to look at the paperwork to, you know, confirm, but it was, she, she wasn't quite where she needed to be in order to signify ADHD. Okay. And, so and they said that that could happen because of her age, uh, right? Because she was so young, they had to modify the test. And because it was modified into that like short little amount, she was able to do it. I mean, Because we gave her tools. I saw a lot of me in her. So I kind of passed on the, you know, behavioral therapy that I had learned just by accident growing up. Uh So she was using the tools that I was using, um, but she needed more. Right. Okay. So So she had developed some coping skills. So then she was evaluated and diagnosed ADHD, dyslexia, and... It's a visual processing processing disorder. disorder. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what was the evaluation process like for you? Very easy. I mean, um, I reached out and um, I've got a response almost, I want to say in the same day with a game plan and a schedule. Um, And at the time, I think it might have been during COVID when we were doing a lot of Mm e-learning. So the idea of of my daughter getting evaluated via computer didn't seem so ridiculous anymore because everything was being done virtually. So getting her to sit in front of the computer, I mean, for her, besides the fact that she was in fifth grade, so she was older now, she was used to that. So that part was easy. And Mm -hmm. she enjoyed the testing process. She thought it was a game. Uh So she had a good time. And, you know, it was fairly painless. We filled out, there was a a written portion that she had to, you know, write in and fill out. I sent that in, I think, the next day. Mm -hmm. Got results in less than two weeks. Wow. That's good. That's a quick turnaround. Fast. Yeah. Yeah. And gave the results immediately to the school. Immediately the school set a schedule to talk about a, you know, IEP. And now she doesn't hate school anymore. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's so great. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. confidence is back. Oh, And everything. That's huge. That's very important. Her confidence. Made a big difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the school was very responsive, it sounds like. They accepted the evaluation, the outside private evaluation. 
had an IEP yeah. team meeting, developed an IEP for her, and then put the yeah. supports in place that she needed to make good progress. And she absolutely needs them because she has dysgraphia. So writing in the journal mm-hmm. was torture for her torture. because she just couldn't get from head to pen. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, the writing part, it, it, everything about that she hated. And so now she's able to do talk to text uh-huh. on her computer, which is making her quality of work so much better because she doesn't have, she can focus more on what she is saying rather than the actual process of writing it. Exactly. So you're seeing a increase in her output, uh, which that's what is say. better and more quality output. Exactly. Take away the yep. physical aspect of writing and she's getting good mm-hmm. output. And then did they put her in a dyslexia therapy intervention program? No, she doesn't have dyslexia. Oh, she just has dyslexia. Okay. I'm sorry. You're right. So yes. they haven't needed to do that, Okay, um, which is good. We still need to find a specialist to maybe help and get her some glasses. She tends to get headaches uh-huh. pretty easily. Um, but now we know what those are from. Yes. <laughs> so that exactly. answers a lot of questions too. Yeah. Less visits you know, to the optical department for glasses, you know. For sure, yes. Um, Make sure that vision is intact. So how did you feel? I know you had already a gut feeling that that something was going on, that something just wasn't Mm -hmm. right. She wasn't making the progress she should be making with her intelligence and the instruction she was receiving. So how did you feel when you received the diagnoses? 100% validated. I I knew ever since she was in kindergarten, I didn't know what it was. Honestly, I thought it was dyslexia. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think it was ADHD because she's not hyperactive. Right. She has, she, she has mixed. She, I guess, according to the testing, it's mixed, but mostly inattentive. it's inattentive and she tends to, you know, have impulse control issues. Mm-hmm. She wants to shout out the answers or like say something immediately. So it's more, um, that's how her ADHD presents, mm-hmm. which can be disruptive in class. But now that the teachers are aware of it, right. um, they let her come in class, which surprisingly helps her focus. Yeah. And a lot of times that's not allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, and for her, it is so crucial. Yeah. Just that chewing helps her concentrate. That oral motor. Yep. That's that's a really good recommendation. You know, it's very rare that you think to add that as an accommodation because like elementary mm-hmm. schools, they don't allow the kids to chew gum, even right. middle schools, because um, it ends up on the carpet or under the desk. Exactly. But with a lot of students, it does help them focus. It kind of slows their brain. It's that oral motor, like sensory input kind of helps their She's brain. She's had it ever down. since she was born. That's- the oral just input. I mean, that and the emotions, those two things were very much part of what who we thought Sydney was. Mm-hmm. Enough, they were symptoms, you know? Right. So Yeah, that's yeah. great. So- how is she doing now? Besides, you had mentioned that her confidence is is much stronger. Is she doing well academically? And has she learned some other different types of coping skills and strategies and tools for managing the ADHD symptoms? She is um, a little bit more forgiving 
of herself and when she gets frustrated and those big emotions I was talking about, she's a little bit more aware of it now. Just having a, for some reason, that label just helps. Mm -hmm. Um, that her, it helps her wrap her head around what's going on in her brain. Right. She feels more in control. Um, once she's able to call it out, she can kind of then look at herself and go, okay, I'm a little bit dysregulated right now. I need to take a minute, deep breath in, deep breath out, Uh you know, move her eyes around because the headaches, if she's been concentrating and focusing for so long, she needs to kind of pull away. Um, So she's very self-aware. And I think that that is helping her um, with the learning process. So her grades are actually slowly getting better. As she gets older, too, I think the teachers mm-hmm. get a little bit more forgiving in yes. how she can answer, you know, because they're a little bit more qualitative with the work rather than just like, you know, yes. numbers. Um, she's exactly. really she's really starting to shine, which is great. And she's in drama, so um, which is a oh, great nice. outlet for her creatively. Definitely. She can just you know, kind of explode on stage and get all of that out right? and then, you know, rein it in when she needs to for school. So that combination for her is magic. Oh, wonderful. That does sound like that would be a really great outlet for her creativity, but also to get a lot of her energy out, her talking, Get yes. that, that attention in a positive way rather than engaging right. in attention seeking behavior in negative ways. So that's wonderful. Exactly. Oh, good. I'm so glad she's doing so well. And yeah, you we know, are too. I think, you know, going into sometimes, you know, parents are really scared. Uh, they, they use that word, quote unquote, label. You know, I don't want to label my child or stigmatize them or, you know, or put them in special education and have that label on them. Um, but I think without that label or that term that defines and explains why you have the difficulties you have, you end up feeling like, I'm stupid. I'm lazy. What's wrong with me? And that causes a lot of that negative self-talk and the anxiety and the depression. And so I think you, you intervene at a very good point in time and made sure that she had the supports in place that she needed to be able to start feeling good and successful and being able to understand, like, I'm very smart and my brain just learns differently right? It's kind of like, Mm -hmm. I need a certain type of fuel. That was exactly. So my husband has ADHD as well. And I was diagnosed as an adult. Um, I do not have the hyperactivity piece. And Mm -hmm. so, and and that's why I saw a lot of myself in Sydney. Um, But my husband was diagnosed as a child and his parents didn't want him to be labeled. And so that there was a bit of a resistance when him Mm -hmm. and I discussed getting her tested. And I told him or one of the things that kind of helped kind of change how he looked at it as a label versus more like a street sign. Uh So I kind of put it to him like instead of a label, it's more of like a street sign. It's sort of like. This is, this is what this is. And so now you know what to expect. And when you manage those expectations, it becomes less of a burden and more of like instructions Mm -hmm. or 
you know, you know, you're on the right path because you know that those, you know, you know what to expect. And so for me, I felt like that sign, not a label was so important for Sydney uh-huh. and, you know, I don't mean to be smug, but I was right. I mean, uh-huh. it, it worked out that way. Right. And so I think if a lot, if people hopefully look at it more in that way, we can get away from the whole label and stigma mm-hmm. thing and kind of move towards a, oh, okay, now I know. Right. You know, this makes so much more sense now because I can see from this sign what's happening over here. Yes. You know? Exactly. That's a that's You're a great analogy. other people's expectations too. Yes. You're right. It does it it helps you understand your child better and and kind of not necessarily lower your expectations, but change them in a way that you know your child's capable of meeting those expectations and giving her mm-hmm. the tools and skills to be able to meet those expectations. And right. also feeling, I mean, sometimes those expectations it does change the way you perceive certain behaviors, you know, knowing, okay, it's ADHD. She doesn't have control over it. She didn't choose to ignore the three-step direction I gave her and just do step one, or she didn't choose to do her homework, but forget to turn it in or put it in her backpack for school the next day. So yeah, her relationship with other adults has gotten better, too, because of those big emotions. You know, it comes off as bratty. If she can't get something she has her heart set on and she bursts into tears. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a fit. It's just she's bursting into tears and people, you know, oh, God, what a brat. She just feels it so deeply. Right. So now the adults, you know, realize that and they're like, oh, okay, she's not a brat. She's just feeling Uh and she'll be done in a minute. Yep. And then she's done and they can move on. So that's that's been a huge help, too. Wonderful. That's so great. I'm so glad to hear she's doing well. I'm so happy the evaluation process was easy for you guys. And it was fun for Sydney. And and that diagnosis actually confirmed what you suspected in your gut, in addition to some other difficulties, then and then in turn gave you kind of that plan or that roadmap for success moving forward. Exactly. Awesome. Wonderful. So if you had, you know, one piece of advice for a parent that is, you know, watching their child struggle at home or, you know, at school, what would be the advice you would give to other parents that kind of walked in your shoes? I've heard this piece of advice given and it sounds cliche, but it is so very true. I don't think that it can ever be said enough is to trust your gut always. And it's so cliche. You hear it all the time, but there's a reason why. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why. Because it it bears repeating as many times as you need to hear it, to trust your gut. It took years. I mean, from the time Sydney was in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. that's five years old, till she was almost 10. Right. Five years. I I was like, what is going on? And you just can't stop Mm -hmm. until you find what you're looking for. Right. So don't stop. I think that's great advice. Yep. Follow that, that mommy gut feeling or daddy gut feeling and, and advocate for your child, right? Keep pushing, keep pushing and, you know, diving into figuring out what exactly is going on when you know Mm -hmm. that 
there it must be something. So I think that's great advice. Thank you so much, Trisha. I appreciate you sharing your story and being being so open and honest and vulnerable with us. And I feel like there's going to be some other listeners that your story will really resonate with. So I appreciate that. Of course. It was my pleasure. I'm happy to do it. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk, as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.